I wasn't ready. I got up here kind of quick. I wasn't expecting that. Good. It is wonderful to see you all this morning. Um, my wife and I have rich, rich memories of this church. Um, actually, I was thinking when we attended this church, it was 30 years ago when Keith Schwamm and I had more hair. I don't know. He, he, I think he's beaten me a little bit. Thank you. Thank you. He's uh, got a little less than me, and I'm happy about that. Um, so many great memories. Do I have this thing right? On my ear, right? I don't even know if I need this thing. Let me see. Oh, that's the way to record it. Uh, he says I have to have it. All right, I got it. No, that's fine. Let me see if I can turn it on. Is it on? Okay. Hold the button. Turn green. All right. You know what was distinctive about this church is that you all had a wonderful outreach to the college students, and I pray that happens again. You, I'll tell you this. You're near the university. You're near this mall. Mall's great for evangelism, take people out even to train them and for evangelism. Um, one, of, one of our greatest memories is being in the homes as college students of the Grahams, the homes of, I think it was uh, the Murs family, the Reddins. I had a whole list of. And I encourage you to continue home fellowship. I know you have some home Bible studies. Praise the Lord. Keep that kind of thing up. Because I'm finding in our church as well, people are not inviting each other to their homes as much. And that's a big part of church. And it was a big blessing during our college days. And I think even John Eglin, even when he was sick, because you know he had contracted cancer, I think he was still picking up students from that college. And so those are memories, sweet memories that we have of this church. And, and my prayer is always for this church. And by the way, we'll be together with you in a conference in May. Don't miss that conference with Steve Leonetti. Steve Leonetti is a man who, who, along with his wife and another fellow and his wife, went to a remote tribe. I forget if it was Indonesia, but I don't know if you all remember the famous Etau films. And so anyway, what a story, and he's coming for a conference right here. And so I want to make sure that I'm here. I'm going to try to get people from our church. It's so hard to get people out to things, but we'll do it. So anyway, I appreciate the history here, and I just want to have a word of prayer before I start this morning. I love coming here to speak. I love coming here to visit. And so let's pray. And take a moment. Maybe it is... Uh, Something that you want to praise God for silently before the Lord. You want to thank him for a blessing this week. Maybe there are sins to confess. In all honesty, sin in our lives gets in the way of hearing God's word and walking with the Lord as you know. So I'll just give you a moment. Father and Lord, I want to give you praise for how you've used New Village Church for all these years. I thank you, Lord, that your gospel has been preached from this pulpit and inside this church for many, many years. Thank you for all the lives that were touched, myself, my wife, Lord, uh, Pastor Gary Domiano of First Baptist of Flushing, Jerry Casillum, a physician's assistant, 
Lord, for all that pass through these walls, Chuck and Leah Schaefer and many others, thank you for those special days and the influence that this church had upon us. And I pray, Lord, that you would use whatever from your word this morning to strengthen your people at New Village to do your will, and Lord, to be uh, used by you powerfully in Lake Grove and beyond. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Vernon Brewer, as a young man, thought it would be fun to go to another country. At the age of 17, he went on a missions trip with his youth group. He helped construct a building. He passed out Bibles. But little did he know that he would be involved in world missions all his life. He founded World Help, big organization, that meets, that, met, that meets the spiritual and physical needs of people around the world. But in 1985, he faced a big problem. He was diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease. Did you know what happened? Also in 1985, 5,000 5, students got together and fasted and prayed for him. And the Lord answered their prayer. Vernon Brewer was able to serve the Lord until July 20th, 2018, 33 years more of service. God answered their prayer. Better than that, his organization went into 77 countries, 44,000 sponsorships of, of young people, I believe $400 million of humanitarian aid, 74,000 church plants, and on and on and on. Hundreds of thousands of kids fed daily. And I believe it was due to the prayers of God's people and God answering those prayers. Remember, the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. All of our Bible churches need prayer. This is a Bible-type church. Mine's a Bible-type church. For some reason, we don't pray that much. We need more prayer, more prayer, more prayer. That's why I'm here this morning. This is what God put on my heart. Your family needs prayers. Your church needs prayers. You're in search for a pastor. Your church needs prayers. Amen? You, you can say amen. You're not a Baptist church, but you can say amen. You're kind of like a Baptist church, really, to be honest. But anyway... Let me not get into that. Why pray? Listen, God is a relational being, is he not? When you think of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they've been around a long time and they have fellowship together, very relational. They love each other. They communicate with each other. We're made in God's image. We too, who've trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, are very dependent beings. God himself is eternal, immortal, all-powerful. He chose to communicate uh, with us through his word. For those of us that have trusted Christ as Savior, he wants to communicate with us, and he wants us to do what? Communicate with him. God wants to hear from you, every single one of you who know Christ. There was a time in biblical history when blessings were being withheld, and here's what he told his people in 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name do what? You know the verse humble themselves, and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Brothers and sisters, if there's ever a time for us in our Bible churches to humble ourselves and pray, it's now. We need to seek his face, we need to crave God, turn from our sins, and he promises to hear from heaven. God will hear the prayers of New Village, and he will answer. He forgives, he heals, he blesses. There's so many benefits to prayer. 
And by the way, one of the biggest sins we can commit is prayerlessness. Do you realize that? Can you imagine you and I, as believers, going out each morning? It's like, Lord, I don't really need you that much. I got this. No, we don't got this, right? When we don't pray, that's a type of pride. Even worry is pride. I'll get into that, maybe. Listen to what the prophet Jeremiah was told in Jeremiah 33.3. You know the verse. Call to me and I'll answer you. And will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. God challenges us to call upon his name. And we need to do it. He promises to answer. And tell us all these wonderful secrets, God's secrets. Don't you want to know his secrets? His truths? Call to me. Psalm 55, 22 in a similar light. Cast your burden upon the Lord and he'll sustain you. And he will never permit the righteous to be moved. I come from an Italian Catholic family that did a lot of worrying. Still does. But I've learned over time to give more of my burdens to the Lord. The word there, well, think of the New Testament. Cast all your anxieties, anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Sin is a worry, but God is compassionate. He knows we're going to get worried, and he, care, he says he cares for us. My brother, my sister, give your most anxious thoughts to the Lord. Give your biggest problems to him in prayer. Doesn't it say that also in Philippians 4, 6, and 7? Do not be what? Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, amen, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The word there is um, to cast is kind of, well, the word for cast from the other verse is like to throw a garment on the ground. And when you and I don't give everything to the Lord, it's like we carry a big backpack on our back and it weighs us down, right? And I've done that in my life. I don't want to do it anymore. Psalm 102, 17. He regards the prayer of the destitute and he does not despise their prayer. God doesn't turn away his people. If you're in a trial and you need wisdom, what should you do? If any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. That's a promise. God is not like parents sometimes, like, oh, no, you again. Asking for money, asking for things again and again. No, he's not like that. He doesn't reproach us. He won't upbraid us for coming to him. I like what Max Lucado said. You can talk to God because God listens. Your voice matters in heaven. He takes you very seriously. When you enter his presence, he turns to you to hear your voice. No need to fear you'll be ignored. Even if you stammer or stumble, even if what you have to say impresses no one, it impresses God. He listens. He listens to the painful plea of the elderly in the nursing home. He listens to the gruff confession of the death row inmate when the alcoholic begs for mercy, when a spouse seeks guidance, when a businessman steps off the street into the chapel, God listens intently and carefully. I don't know if you've been in some hard situations. I've been in some hard places where I've called out to the Lord and he's answered. 
Luke eleven eighteen. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart or faint. You don't pray that much, you're going to go down. I'm going to go down. Life is far too hard for us not to pray, amen? And you remember in that, well, that same chapter, Jesus told that story. Sounds like a fake story, but of that lady that kept bugging that man for justice, right? I like what it says there. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down. That's ESV. Beat me down by her continual coming. God wants us to literally keep coming to him. We can't beat him down. But asking it shall be given to you, seeking you shall find, knocking the door shall be opened. That's in the scripture, right? What an amazing privilege we have that the God of the universe wants us to come to him in prayer. Oh, by the way, that's my, that's my introduction. Since I'm not candidating, I can preach as long as I want. You can do what you want when you're not candidating. I got a church. No. I'm sorry, I'm only, I'm, only, I'm only making you laugh a little bit, I hope. I'm really talking today about hindrances to prayer. Why do we pray so little? You and I are weak. We need God's help. Our churches need God's help. And we don't pray that much. Hindrances to prayer, number one. And there's some outlines if you want to take them later with the verses on there. Number one, we don't realize how much he loves us. New Village, do you realize how much he loves you? If you're saved. Think about it. Willing to bleed and die and take the full punishment for our sins. He didn't do anything wrong, Jesus Christ. Perfect. He was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. You don't find, I tell unbelievers this, you don't find a recorded sin anywhere. You can't blame him for nothing. And some unbeliever said to me the other day, what about when he, when he cleared the temple? Well, that was righteous anger. Jesus never did a sin. And yet he paid the price for your sin and my sin at the cross. Greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. No one could love you more. Your husband or wife can't love you more than Jesus. Your parents can't love you more. Your uncle can't love you more. You can't, your aunt can't love you more. They can love you a lot, but not like Jesus. Even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. You know the verse, Romans 5, right? For scarcely will scarcely... For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us, even though we were still sinners, Christ died for us. All of us were very sinful and evil and bad in God's sight. We're all enemies of God, born enemies of God, and then we proved it by all the sins we've committed in our life. And he still loved us. You know, God is infinitely worthy of praise. I was reading something that John Piper wrote. He's infinitely worthy of praise, and when we don't, bow down before him and worship him. That's the big sin. And we all have committed those big sins in our life before we were saved. And yet he saved us. Don't you want to talk to the one who loves you like this? You tend to talk to people that love you, right? We tend to be drawn to people that we know love us. He loves you immensely. It can't even be measured. It's an eternal love. I don't understand it. It's amazing. You know the Jews were commanded to hang a thick veil between the inner temple and the most holy place, and the high priest could only go there once a year. When Jesus died and rose, what happened to that veil? Ripped. The way to God. 
and some kind of a special new access to God we have in New Testament times. If you had a rich uncle and he said to you, I got millions of dollars in the bank, here's the ATM card, you can go whenever you want and get the money. How often would you and I be going there? But you can only take a thousand at a time. Oh man, we'd be there all the time. I got to get to that bank, man. Even more important than the money is we have access to God, right? Hebrews 4.16 Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Don't you want more of His mercy and grace? His power, His strength, His love, His guidance, His wisdom. He's your Father. He's Abba Father. You know, God does amazing things. There was a lady in this very church, Mrs. Johnson, Betty Johnson, who gave, wanted to give me 2000 for a seminary, uh, for me to go to seminary. And that's how, that was my first step to go to seminary. God used somebody in this church that was thinking about God's love, was loving me. And I went to seminary in California. And I only had 4000 when I went out there. And I came back with a seminary degree, a van, extra kid, and an extra kid on the way. Because God is faithful. He loves us. He loves us. Here's a man educated in Germany. You probably could guess who it is. Um, he first wanted to be a missionary. You may not have known that. In 1830, he became the pastor of a small congregation in England. But he decided that he was just going to pray for everything. He knew God loves him, and he knew God loves the orphans. You know who it is. He abolished the pew rents. That's an interesting concept. I guess they rented out pews. Don't do that here. You don't need to do that. Um, He refused a fixed salary. Not many pastors would do that. Two years, after two years, though, he began, he went to Bristol and he devoted himself to the care of orphans. But the great thing about this guy, he prayed his head off. And you know what? There were 50,000 documented answers to prayer in his journal. My brothers and sisters at New Village, do you have a prayer journal? Prayer made, prayer answered. Do it. If you haven't done it, do it. It'll it'll encourage you in your faith. When when you're feeling down, you go back to that and take a look at it. Second hindrance to prayer. We don't understand how holy God is. The point being here, before I even mention it, he's so great, it should make us fall on our knees. Isaiah 57, 15 For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart of the contrite. You know what holy means? The Hebrew word is kodesh. It's kind of like he's so set apart and separate from us. He's a holy other. He's different. So pure, totally above his creation. It implies his glory, his greatness, his difference from us. And as you contemplate that, as you meditate on the word, it should sink us down. Thinking about his greatness, it should sink us down to prayer every day. 
I like the way John Piper said it. He's absolutely unique because he alone is infinite, unchanging, eternal. He's infinitely more important than any man or woman. And he's in a class by himself. Wouldn't you agree? Those of you that know Jesus as Lord and Savior. He's sacred. He's worthy of praise and adoration. I was telling my wife, one of the songs I remember from New Village all, all the day, they sung, May Jesus Christ Be Praised a Lot. I don't know if you guys sing that song anymore. But that was sung a lot back then. Also, up from the grave he arose as I saw my breath in the little building during some of those Easter services. Good things. But listen, he's worthy like this. You and I should be thinking about him. And if you're meditating on the word enough, you'll be thinking about him enough so that You'll be bound before him in prayer. We can't help ourselves, right? What about Hannah? After God answered her prayer for a kid, 1 Samuel 2.2, 2, There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Do you realize if you're unsaved today, no sin can go into his eternal kingdom? Unless you come to Jesus and get your sins forgiven through him, you can't go to heaven. And yes, there is a hell. People may not preach about it a lot, but there is one. Jesus actually spoke more about hell than heaven. Isn't that crazy? In a way. But I say that to you if you don't know Jesus as Savior yet, because though he's holy, he sent his holy son to die in your place and pay for your sins. You could be forgiven of everything you ever did. That's what gripped me at college in 1980. First year, Cornell University. There I am, thinking I'm going to study to be a doctor and all this. God saved my tail up there. And what I realized is that he shed his blood for me. And the guys who first told me about that, I was, who are these guys talking about his blood all the time? I didn't understand. As a Catholic, I didn't understand. But then it really hit me that he paid the full price for my sin. And I could be forgiven of everything I've ever done. My sin removed as far as the east is from the west. He's a holy God, but a loving God. And he's an amazing God. The Apostle John had the benefit in Revelation. Well, he wrote Revelation. He had a glimpse of the throne of heaven. He was brought to some kind of door in his vision. And he saw a majestic being sitting on a throne with glorious multicolored light emanating from him, like from precious stones. And in verse 8 says this, And the four living creatures... Each of them with six wings are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say. They can't help themselves. Day and night. I don't even know if there's real day and night up there, but anyway. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and who is to come. They can't stop saying it because he's so holy. It's like when you see something amazing and you marvel at it and you keep saying. Like if you go to Good Steer, it's some pretty good food, right? And he had a great meal. It's like, oh, that was Good Steer. had such a great steak. Such a great steak. Such a... More important than the great steaks and everything, anything on earth is that God is God, right? And out of all his qualities, which one is said three times? Three times. Holy, holy, holy. Not even love is said three times, although love is a big one. God is love, right? How excellent he must be. 
And then in the same chapter, verse 11 to 24, elders fall down and they say, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Well, there's another thing. Not only is he holy, not only does he love us, but he made everything. Does that make you want to kind of bow before him? He made you. You wouldn't even be here without him. Your very existence is from him. You're a derived being from him. That should make you and I feel small. Oh, but if he saved you by his grace, you're one of his chosen people. Amen. You're a royal priesthood. People for his own possession. I hope these scriptures are making you want to get out of the bed, get out of bed in the morning and say, worthy are you, Lord. Don't leave home without it. Don't leave home without prayer. Where are you going? My brother, my sister, where are you you and I going without prayer in the morning? A lot of cars out there. It's kind of dangerous out there, even driving. Where are we going without the Lord? You know, I walk my dogs, and I, I don't know if I told you last time, I'm do you have kids that introduce animals into your house and then they don't do much for it? Oh, oh, no more dogs. I got two dots hounds. Sometimes I want to string them up, but the Bible says a righteous man cares for his beast or whatever. My wife quotes that to me a lot. I want to string those dogs up. But anyway, the one good part about the dogs, I walk the dogs at night and I see the stars in heaven. And that always, that always does something to me. You can't not, we probably should all get telescopes and look at the stars. My neighbor, gave, my neighbor gave away one that's a little messed up. Hopefully I can see a couple stars a little deeper, a little closer. To marvel at God. What about the Apostle Paul? When he was preaching in Athens, they had an altar to an unknown God. And he filled them in on that God that they didn't know. Acts 17, 24, the God who made the world and everything in it being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. That's God. That's the God we know. So not only did he make everything, but, but he sustains everything? Is that a powerful God or what? You think it's easy to keep an earth spinning on its axis, the right distance from the sun? Is that easy? He upholds the universe by the word of his power, Hebrews 1.3. God is the force that holds atoms together, holds your body together. The orbit of the planets, the hundred billion neurons in your brain, the billions of stars, and on and on, from the vastest galaxy to, to the smallest atomic particle, he holds it all together. God is the holy creator of the universe, And that should be enough for us to fall before him in prayer, to pray without ceasing, as the Bible says, right? You you and I need to meditate on his word a lot so we think about how great he is so we end up praying a lot. Prayer and the word of God go together. Use his word to prompt you. You may even do scripture praying where you literally take the scripture out and you pray based on what that scripture says. I found a wonderful book in a thrift store. I'm a thrift store junkie. I don't know, anybody, any, any of you like me, where you almost get excited when there's a thrift store and you think there's going to be some bargains in there? My heart races. My wife doesn't like it all the time. Sometimes I come home with gems. Sometimes I do something stupid. 
But I did find a wonderful book. It was a prayer guide for your children, or older children and all that too. And it had all kinds of things. And it had like seven verses for every category. And that prompts my prayer all the time. So if you look something up, you could look up fear. You could look up fear of failure. You could look up whatever it is, anger. You could look up, you know, serving God. And it had seven verses and it prompts my prayer. Use God's word to prompt your prayer. Let's get to the third one. Third hindrance to prayer. We don't understand that sin keeps us from prayer and prevents us uh, from being effective in our prayers. If you and I are not praying a lot, there's some kind of sin involved. Even not praying itself is a sin, right? How many times does God say to, to pray? Quote, it's a common temptation of Satan to make us give up reading of the word and prayer when our enjoyment is gone, as if there's no use to read scriptures when we do not enjoy them, and as if it were of no use to pray when we don't have a spirit of prayer. My brother, my sister, let me tell you something. You, you always feel like going to work every day? No, you don't. But you do. Why? Why do you keep going? You need the dinero. Even when you don't feel like it, get into the Bible. In fact, you probably need the scripture more that day when you're not kind of feeling like it or you're a little off course, right? And don't you need prayer when you're off course? Please. Be careful of Long Island sins. Workaholism is one of them. We live beyond our means, and then we got to get all these jobs and do all these things to finance all these cars and all these houses that we can't pay for. Maybe you've done some of that. I've done some dumb things in my past. I financed a car one time. I'll never do it again. They have two forty-three a month. I hated it, and I needed it. I like old Toyotas now and old Hondas. In fact, I was at a good price. I got the old Honda from your pastor. That's my budget. Everybody's different. Some of you can handle new cars. I can't. And I found out in my budget, I can't do it. And if I do do it, then I'm going to have to work more. I'm going to have less time for the Lord and his work. Isn't that kind of, isn't that simple logic? Long Island sins, be careful. Material things. We can go on and on with that. If you have a nice house and a pool, invite everybody over in the church. Then use it for his glory. Nothing wrong with having it. One of the best guys I know was a pretty rich guy in the South. When I worked for Transformation Life Center upstate, helping men coming off drug and alcohol abuse, my wife and I went to the South, and he gave us money to buy all the homeschool books. We were in earshot in Greenville, South Carolina, Bob Jones University. This guy gave us the money for it, he, and he gave the money for a lot of different things. And when we went to his house, we were able to choose. You want to stay in door number one or door number two? It's like, let's make a deal. Where do you want to stay in, in my house? But the man used what he had for God's glory. That's good. God doesn't begrudge us of things, but we, I think we all have to really think. And for all of you new villagers, put all your energy into New Village and even your resources. This is a wonderful church that has a rich history and it needs to keep going. But you're going to need to pray. And you're going to need to deal with sin in your life. Worrying is a sin. I was reading again, what, the parable of the soils, right? Seed in the soil, whatever. What chokes the word? What chokes the word? The worries of this life, the deceitfulness for riches, and the desire for other things. Does that happen on Long Island? James chapter 4. 
what causes quarrels and fights among you? And by the way, you all don't need any of that. Don't cause division and fights in your church. And anybody who does that should be identified as such and dealt with. That should not happen in the church. It says, one a divisive man once or twice have nothing to do with him. Isn't that interesting? And of all the sins, it's like you don't play with division. You don't be unified. Brothers and sisters, please. I love this church. God loves this church more. What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this? Your passions that are war within you. You know, basically we want what we want in churches when people do this. It's sinful motives. Trust me. I've been around long enough, 20 years at my church. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Uh Uh-oh, that hits us. I don't want to miss out on blessings, do you? The Lord has blessings for you individually, your family, your church. If we would do what? What's the theme of the sermon today? Prayer? Pray. Pray. Set up more prayer meetings. I met a dear Indian lady when Medford had the pharma, uh, 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 shootings in the pharmacies. Her idea was to bless churches in Medford. So she began to give gifts to churches in Medford, and I met Aruna. That's led to a lot of blessings, trust me. One thing is 6.30 every day. Every day, 6.30, she set up some kind of prayer line, and I do pray with that group, and it's a couple different people, somebody from a church in the city. and It's wonderful every day walking my dogs to pray. As many times as I can make that 6.30 time. I don't know, make a prayer line like that here. Prayer meeting. How much of the church is coming out to prayer meeting? Not much of my church comes out, but some of the most zealous people are. Could you imagine if this church was filled Wednesday nights? Now, that that's the, that's not, may not be the only night to pray. Some of you may have to work other things. You could set up other times. But could you imagine if half this church came out to pray and to pray for the, for the future of the church? Could you imagine what the Lord would do? The Lord does some wonderful things, but watch. You know what stops us? Verse 3, James 4, you ask and do not receive you, because you ask wrongly to spend it on your pleasures. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? That's what messes us up, being a friend of the world. We get tied up so we don't come out to pray and stuff. God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. One of the most prideful, we, prideful things we can do is not pray. Pride. Submit, and we, we tend to worry, bite our nails and all Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. What's better than that? Draw near to God in prayer. What about David? I have to mention King David. He commits the twin sins of adultery and murder. You know, at first he didn't confess it. You know what happened to him? I think it was for about a year. He was holding on to his sin, not confessing it, and he was wasting away. His body was literally wasting away. By the way, if you're in sin and you are sick as well, you, 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 want, you should go to the elders of the church and have them pray. James chapter 5 says that. Not many people take that option. I've had over the years, what, I've had maybe one or two people in 20 years, and I venture to say probably more have needed the elders' prayer in James 5 and have not come, and they're wasting away, their bodies are wasting away. Not all sickness is a result of sin. Sometimes it is. That's why in James 5 it says confess your sins to one another in that same passage. 
What about Psalm 32, where David finally confesses? It's a wonderful thing to confess your sin, get cleansed before God, get cleared up to serve God. It says in Psalm 32, 3, I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when he may be found. I urge you, if you're in sin, don't wait to confess. Please don't wait. You're going to mess yourself up. You'll mess yourself up big time. So Isaiah 55, 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. He's a loving God that pardons sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to do what? You know the verse. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what do we do with all this? If you're not saved, the first prayer he wants is really for you to confess your sins, I suppose, right? And call on the name of Jesus. He doesn't answer, he generally doesn't answer the prayers of unbelievers. If you don't know Christ, you don't have a relationship with him, he's not your father yet. You're still an enemy of his. The Bible calls us enemies. When I almost drowned in Lake Ronkonkoma, I was still an enemy of God. If I would have drowned, I would have went to hell. I've told you the story before. I almost drowned. A couple guys in a canoe were turned over. We had no life preservers. A helicopter came and saved James Keller Jr. and I. And Jeff Katz, a Jewish friend. I was saved before I was saved. If I didn't get saved that day, I would have drowned and went to hell. I was a sinner. Wow. And I think of the Kellers, too. They, were, they introduced me to this church. After I got saved, I went away to college, came back. I was like, well, what do I do now? I don't want to go to Catholic Church no more. I want more Bible. And I found that about New Village Church. I was friends with James Keller, Jr., And by the way, he's doing really well serving God upstate. Influenced this church. When I met him, he really wasn't walking with the Lord too well. And then his Italian Catholic friend gets saved. And we were at Cornell together and went to church together up there. I don't think I told you that. Oh, how God works. But if you're not saved today, listen. Do you understand how wonderful it is to be forgiven of all your sins? And to not have to be afraid of dying. My wife and I just sat down with a life insurance guy. And I want to have some life insurance for my wife if something happens to me. I had one, but it lapsed, whatever, whatever. But man, talk about insurance. You confess your sin to Christ. You repent of your sin. Trust him as your Lord and Savior. You're forgiven of everything that you have ever done and will do in one swoop. Sure, as a believer, you confess your sins and all of that, but he forgives you. In the courts of heaven, you're declared righteous because of what Jesus did. He was perfect. He had a perfect death. He's the Lamb of God, takes away the sins of the world. He can take away your sins. And then, you know what happens? You become one of his children, and he will answer your prayers for the rest of your life. You can pray to him for the rest of your life. 
Many of you have already done that. I urge you. Right? You're in an important, you're an interesting juncture now. You need a new pastor someday. But you know what? Pray for the elders that are here. Elders are pastors in my book. It's really synonymous in the Bible. You've got to think of them as pastors in a way, too. Yes. I know we tend to on Long Island, and pastor and elder. You have elders here. You pray for them. And in a time when you don't have a pastor, right, these men are already stepping up, and they're going to step up and do a wonderful job. You need to support them in prayer. All of you who are members of this church and regular attenders, please read and meditate on the Word of God a lot. Come out to the meetings. Everybody needs a midweek meeting or two. That's another arrogance. Oh, I don't need God's people. I don't need fellowship that much. The early church is meeting every day, but hey, we're not the early church. We're, you know, we're in Long Island. We're busy. No, 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 you're not busy. Long Islanders do what they want. We spend money on what we really want to spend money on, don't we? We do what we want to do. Everybody does. You're the master of your schedule. God is ultimately, but you, we each make schedules. Brothers and sisters, get that day timer out. Slide in more times of prayer, more times for God's word, individually, together. This is the time to pull together, not pull apart. Oh, no. And as you meditate on God's greatness and character, that he's holy, he's a creator, you're going to want to pray more. And by all means, deal with sin. Please don't come in here with a bad attitude and keep a bad attitude at New Village Church. What you, how's that going to help anyone? Oh, there's not as much people as there used to be. Same thing in my church. But you know what? A new day is dawning in my church. We're starting a ministry to people with disabilities starting March 10th. My part-time job is for people with disabilities, fitness, and, and a lot of things have happened. People in the church have really stepped up. There's a team of five people apart from me who want to do this thing. It's like, praise God. ran ahead of myself. Deal with sin. What do the hypocrites do? They love to pray, Jesus said, and stand on the street corners and all that and pray. But Jesus said, when you pray, Matthew 6, 6, not 6, 6, 6, Matthew 6, 6, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So many blessings and rewards to more prayer. More prayer, sincere prayer, out of the right kind of heart, more reward and blessing for individuals, families, and churches. And brothers and sisters, the sky's the limit. Is anything too hard for God? Can he find you a new pastor? He can find you a hundred pastors whenever he wants. It'll be his timing. Who knows what he wants to do in you before you get another pastor? And you have pastors, actually. You have elders. Let me tell you more about what God says. Isaiah 43, 13. Henceforth I am he. There's none who can deliver from my hand. I work. And who can turn it back? I like the way Job said it. Job answers the Lord in Job 42. I mean, Job learned a few lessons along the way. And he says this to the school of hard knocks, right? I know that you can do all things, and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Can anybody stop God from accomplishing his purposes in New Village Church? No. He builds his church. He said, I'll build my church, he said, last time I checked, right? 
and the power of the Almighty God is available to you. Think of him as having infinite storehouses in heaven. And you all, through prayer, are going to tap upon it. Amen? Can God move mountains? Mark 11. Turn there if you're quick. A couple last verses, I promise. Actually, you guys don't care about time, right? It's not like you're worrying about time. You start at 10.30. Right? So it's even early. I got a half an hour extra for preaching. Ah, scaring some of you. Some of you got scared faces on. I, I have to get the good steer by a certain time. No, you don't. I like to have fun with you. I like to have fun. Mark eleven twenty three. look. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will come to him, will come to pass, it will be done for him. Oh, but Pastor Chris, that's only for the Pentecostals. No, it's not only for the Pentecostals. You know, sometimes the Pentecostals have the edge on us in faith. And I'm talking ones that are more biblical. I'm not talking about Kenneth Hagin's and Copeland's. But I've seen some Pentecostal people that I'm really impressed with their faith. And they pray hard. Brooklyn Tabernacle has a prayer meeting Tuesday nights. I think a thousand people come out. A lot of people have gotten saved in the walls of Brooklyn Tabernacle. Say what you will. God has used the Calvary chapels who are a bit more Pentecostal than all of us here. Not that much. God has used the Calvary chapels in a big way. Be careful. I've learned a lot over time to have respect for many different kinds, even though a little different than me in some things. It's all right. Anyway, my point here is that God can do amazing things. Have you have your kids going through hard times? We have, and prayer has been answered in some powerful ways. Trust me. I got a, some kids back in college. I didn't know we were going to get back in college. There were some hard times. Some of you have shared, I've shared it. Anxiety, depression, other things are rough. But to see God work is amazing. Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen. Jeremiah says this, Our Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your unstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. My brother, my sister, you have some kind of big, heavy burden? Please give it to the Lord. You never know what he might do. And he'll answer some way. Sometimes he gives you strength to keep going. There's a dear lady in our church that had her son laid up in the hospital in nursing homes for seven years. She trusted God through it. He ended up passing. He knew the Lord. She's now, and he was a special needs kid, and she is dedicated to our special needs ministry. God sometimes doesn't answer in the way we think. I'm sure she would have loved to ha have him walk out of that hospital before those seven years were up. He didn't. I remember visiting at times when there was no response. She'd go in there and talk to him, and maybe she had a special thing that I would talk to him, and nothing was happening. I think he was, like, partially gone already. But God worked through that situation. At other times, God will raise somebody up miraculously. The 
the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah also in verse 27 of that same chapter. God said to Jeremiah, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Abraham and Sarah were pretty old when they had a kid, weren't they? She was 90. He was 100. Nobody's that old here. Most of us will not make it to that age. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? It's kind of not a joke not to believe that God can do great things. It's not a, really a joke, is it? Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I'll return to you about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Pretty hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, isn't it? Riches are blinding sometimes. But with man, this is impossible, Jesus said. But with God, all things are possible. Asking it shall be given to you, seeking you shall find, knocking the door shall be opened. One last verse for New Village. When I was thinking of your situation, Acts chapter 13, you all should live in that chapter. Because that church was really fasting. If you invite me again, I'll preach on fasting. Fasting and prayer. What about that? We like to eat. Long Island, we got some good food out here, don't we? Brothers and sisters, fasting and prayer is where it's at when you got big decisions. Jesus, before he picked his disciples, all night praying, right? The church at Antioch, pretty multiracial church. Verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and doing what? Fasting, what's implied in there as well probably? Prayer. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. I'll leave you with this thought. If you would pray and fast sincerely and pray, God will continue to guide and lead this church and will use this church in powerful ways. You can't not pray and be committed to the Lord and pray and things not happen. I recall John Eglund. I mentioned his name before. Quiet guy. Right? Those of you that knew him, wasn't he kind of quiet? Unassuming. Do you realize that he's the one that would drive his old station wagon up to Stony Brook University to pick up the students? He's the one that asked me to teach for the first time, a real teaching in a Sunday school? Right here my teaching started. He's the one who set it up for the college students to go to different people's homes on those days when we had that, had that special go to somebody's house at New Village Day for college students. John Marie Eglund. I think we even went to the Murs house. As I think about that piano, I think of Bob Murs. Lord is able to use this church 
the Hendrick brothers said this, and then I'll pray. Every generation needs courageous believers. And I'm going to say every church needs courageous believers who will trust God at his word, pick up the baton of intercession, continuing the powerful legacy of faithfully standing in the gap and seeking his heart in prayer. May many of you do that. Let's pray. Just take a moment. I'm sure the Lord is working on your heart as he's working on mine. Pray to him silently right now. Ask him what he wants you to do, you know, for you, for your, you as an individual, your family, your church. What does he want you to do so that this church becomes all that God wants it to be in the future? Brothers and sisters, you're in a, it's a wonderful spot. Look at the land you got here. You got two parsonages for crying out loud. Most churches have one. You got two. You've got a beautiful property. You've got a beautiful building. You're right near the Smith Haven Mall, Middle Country Road, Stony Brook University. As you're praying, I want to remind you that Stony Brook University every year has an, uh, uh, usually has a, um, uh, a program where you can befriend a college student. I'd urge you to do that next year if you haven't done it already. Host family program. We've done it. We have a Korean fellow that, you know, comes to our church. Host family just become a friend of somebody at Stony Brook. That is an amazing mission field. They come from all over the world to go to that university. And you're pretty close. This is a missions church. It's always been a missions church. You can have a missions conference in May. So anyway, just some things to remind you of as you're praying. Recently for us, a Spanish church wanted to, needed a building. Now, now we have a Spanish service at one. Sometimes good churches are looking for a building to also be with you in another language. The Lord, oh, he can do all kinds of things. Dear Father, I'm asking for your rich blessing upon this church, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that your son is the savior of the people in this church. Thank you, Lord, that you have sustained New Village through many, many years. And I thank you, Lord, in, in my knowledge, Gary Finn and Mark Musser were wonderful pastors for a long time. Thank you that you blessed this church with long tenures of good men. Thank you that elders were established during those times. Biblical counseling, expository preaching. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. I pray for the elders and deacons who are here now. Help them to walk with you. Help them to meditate on your word. Help them to love their wives and their family. Help them to love the people of the church. I pray you'd give them wisdom and decisions. You, O Lord, are the fountainhead of all wisdom. May they consult your word. May they pray. Lord, I pray. That prayer meeting would be strong at New Village. I pray extra prayer times would be set up. Help me to have extra prayer times at our church. I pray for this conference in May with Steve Leonetti. It would be powerful. I pray that you would 
touch the people in my church to come here and that we'd fellowship together. Maybe even do some more things together. Lord, give us wisdom. Lord, we seek your face. Thank you that you're always available to us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you, O Lord, that you made the one who knew no sin be sin for us. Thank you, Lord, that he rose again from the dead as and you furnish proof to all men by raising your son from the dead. Thank you that Jesus' body has never been found. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this day together in this fellowship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.